Welcome back to the Commonwealth Classical Liberal Podcast. This pod, like the Classical Liberal Party of Virginia or the CLPVA, is a home for those who believe in open markets, open minds, and free people. Thanks for joining us each and every week, only to take a little break in December. Please listen, subscribe, and tell your friends and family that you want them to join you in being radicalized for freedom and prosperity. So we ended up taking a break for most of uh, the end of the year in December, as we said, and we'll be continuing our platform discussion and a series on bodily autonomy in just a few weeks. But as we come into January and this new year, 2024, we're gonna spend a little time on engaging elected officials. Lobbying is often heard with immediate thoughts to political deals and big money influence, but really lobbying is seeking to influence someone, in this case, elected officials, in order to support a certain position, proposal, or policy. And it's not necessarily a dirty word when it's done openly and honestly, and it's a healthy part of citizens, us, advocating for what's important to them. And so here in the Commonwealth, the General Assembly, our our legislature convenes on January 10th for two months of work. We're going to get into that in just a few moments. But before we get into the General Assembly, before we get into lobbying our state and local officials, I want to welcome back Brian Doss and Chris Frazier. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Happy 2024. It's been a while. It's good to have you back. Yeah, Happy New Year. Good to be back. Happy New Year. Happy holiday season, hopefully, for everybody. Yeah, happy holiday season. Happy happy start to election year 2024. A lot of exciting things <laughs> to, to discuss. But, guys, we did take a little break. Thanks for those that have waited patiently for us to come back. Good to be back here with you. And we're starting with a very timely topic here because the General Assembly is about to meet. So I think for folks that aren't familiar, right, and here in Virginia, our General Assembly meets once a year for, for uh, 60 days, basically. And does all the work they need to get to before, in theory, our elected officials go back, put their you know sleeves back up and get to work whatever they do in their day jobs full time. So I love that approach. I'm glad that we have it here in the Commonwealth. Looking forward to what comes out of this session. But let's let's talk about that as the General Assembly gets back together. Guys, what issues is the CLPVA focusing on as the year and the general session get underway? What's what's top of mind for CLPVA here? Well, the top of the mind is uh, ballot access reform. Uh, that's the that's really kind of the linchpin uh, of uh, you know getting anything else done is getting uh, getting the people to be able to be on the ballot. Uh, just uh, not just us, but all the other third parties that are out there. Um, I mean, just for just for some background uh, for you know, for those of you who may not have been paying attention, there was uh, something on the order of uh, like twenty twenty five percent. Of the uh, of the races for the House of Delegates uh, were unopposed, and that's not you know, you know that's not just like oh it's like a, a major party candidate and a, uh, a third party candidate, of which there were a few of those as well. Just nobody ran against them, uh, which is really just a yeah. This just shows you what we're up against. Um, is, is that 20% of these seats were absolutely safe on both sides. Uh, you know, you, you split that. It's kind of like it, it, I'll have to look exactly what the breakdown was, but it's it, it's generally like kind of 50-50. And if you also looked at it for all the ones with the district that uh, had a lean, you know, either like a heavy lean or a slight lean uh, for you know Democrat or Republican, all of them, all of the incumbents, you know, all that the 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 party that it leaned to won. There's no difference, you know, whatsoever. The only ones that had kind of a legitimate toss-up. Uh, and basically, those went. It was four out of seven. Uh, you know, went to the Democrats and three to the uh, to the Republicans. 
you know, in the House of Delegates, which is just absurd. <laughs> we have yeah, all this thing that's going over, you know, that we're like, oh, this is a big election where these are big results and everything. It was decided beforehand. And a part of the reason why it was decided beforehand is because they've you know, stacked the deck so much that not you can't get anybody uh, in there. It, it, there. In the few cases where there were independents, like legitimate independents, you know, and third-party people that got in there, the independents got 4 to 5% of the vote, um, straight up. Uh, it, it, and in contested, you know, one thing, it wasn't just against, you know, some independent versus a Democrat or Republican. Uh, in uh, There's two races north of us uh, in the around Fredericksburg area. Uh, there were two of them. Uh, two independents ran very strong. At four, you know, it's like they both got around 4%. Uh, in contested uh, uh, races, uh, <clears throat> and this shows you that there there is this like pent up demand uh, for people to vote somewhere else. But the ballot access laws, the way they're set up, prevent that. They make it like almost impossible uh, for anybody who's not part of the you know the the, the ruling elite uh, to be able to get in there. It's, it's an option to vote for. And that's the thing. Everyone wants to talk about protecting democracy. You, know, demo- you can't have democracy if you can't actually vote for people. If you're only given two predetermined options and basically a set-piece election, like, oh, well, we've, dr- we've made sure that this district is uh, 60 or 70 percent Democrat or Republican, uh, and so we won't even bother running. You know, that, you, you've already you've thwarted democracy right there. So the very first step that we have to do is to be able to lower these barriers so that people, you know, like the independents north of us, when they got on the, when they got on the ballot, they changed the, the nature of the race, and they got 4 to 5%. How, many, how much more could they, you know, could they gotten, you know, commonwealth-wide if all of these races have been contested, not just by two people or three people, by four or five? And so that's what we have to start with. That's what we have to talk about uh, to all, all of our delegates. So, you know, as Brian talks about ballot access, you know, that was a single episode subject. We spent some time there in our Halloween episode on the 31st of October. You can go back and listen to that. We discussed ballot access uh, as we introduced the CLPVA platform. It's a good listen. So we get into that in much more depth. You know, some of the additional challenges and complexities that Brian just quickly spoke to. It's a big issue, Brian, and, and you're right. If we have more people that feel like they can run without having to overcome you know, ridiculous hurdles, then we have more opportunities for citizens to vote for the people and issues that they support and like. So appreciate you bring all that up. Chris, anything you want to add on to what Brian opened us up with here? No, I agree. And I think it's sort of the best issue to start with. Uh, you have to look at your audience for one, and you look at the Democrats having a majority in the General Assembly. And, you know, they talk a good game about election integrity and, and you know, access and equality. And we really want to call them out on that, you know, make sure that they are supporting that across the board. You know, they've pushed back rightly against a lot of Republican attempts to you know, limit access. And so really just holding them to their word and, and making sure that, you know, they know that there's other people out there that are pushing some of these issues that maybe neither of the two major parties are in agreement on. You know, they obviously want to expand early voting. But as we mentioned before, we also want to make sure that we expand the democratic process, not just as far as the you know, expanding the schedule out, but providing access to other people who either want to run or you know, other other philosophical groups who need representation that aren't being represented. Um, so, you know, you obviously want to 
look at the audience that you're working with. Um, you know, we're a small group, so we have limited time and resources with which to lobby. And so we obviously want to make sure we put those to good use. So obviously there's you know a lot of a laundry list of issues that we would love to be able to take to the General Assembly and see some movement on. Um, but you have to be very diligent and strategic about you know, where you put those resources and, and you want to make sure that you're utilizing that time and energy on something that you feel you might actually get some traction on. So uh, I, I agree with Brian. I think, you know, ballot access is, you know, the really critical issue where we feel we might be able to, to get some traction and some partnership from some of the people currently in the general assembly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I want to point out too, like as to, as a dovetail on that is that the, uh, it, it's absolutely right about uh, knowing your audience and tailoring the, uh, the argument to the audience, because obviously what the Democrats, has, uh, as Chris said, because they hold them, hold their feet to the fire and say, like, you, you say you believe this, so act it. You know, let's, let's, you know, if you want to preserve democracy, then let's preserve and, and support democracy. Now, on the other hand, with the, the Republicans, um, you know, a lot of them, like, a lot of Republicans uh, are object, you know, kind of like, oh, wary about anything that makes it easier to vote. Uh, but the interesting fun fact uh, that's out there, if you actually sum up the quote-unquote popular vote, which is not legitimate, but it's, it's, use, it's useful as a rhetoric, but if you actually summed up all the individual races uh, across the Commonwealth, uh, that uh, ironically, uh, the Republicans uh, won the popular vote. Uh, <laughs> they won the popular vote in the de House of Delegates and the Senate. Uh, and if you, I mean, you can, you can go and tailor that with a with all the usual objections of like, oh, well, they didn't run and everything. It wasn't a statewide election, yada, yada, yada. Point being, though, is that the usual, like, bugaboo that the Republican operatives say, it's like, ooh, the popular vote, we can't win the popular vote. You just did, quote, unquote. <laughs> so you can do this. So you have nothing to fear from this and actually probably a lot to gain by making it easier for other people to be on the ballot. Uh, Rather than having it into a binary uh, binary choice, you know some people are going to be forced to vote for you know the Democrat other than uh, you when they would have lied to vote for a third party. Hmm, maybe make that easier. So I mean, there's a, that's a kind of a cynical argument, but we have to know our audience. You know, it's just that this isn't going to hurt you. This may help you. So. Yeah, we've seen that play out at the state level. We've seen that play out at the national level. Certainly, would be uh, you know, the Trump Clinton campaign as well. Right? We see we've seen. The loser in election win more popular votes, and that does sort of just show that there's you know, something isn't quite working maybe the way it should in the system. Maybe there's some ways to make that more representative, so our elections really show the voice of the people and who the people really want in office. And so I think there's an, it's an interesting angle to take in, in that discussion. It's you know it's back to Chris's point. You know, it's really exciting to hear folks come out with uh, you know uh, venom and and uh, you know to take our the president of Argentina right coming out with a uh, chainsaw man and you know going to burn the whole place down but really that incremental approach is really necessary to make deliberate progress on issues so identifying hey what's a key issue top issue right now you know for, for the CLPVA and for other you know independent and third parties you know ballot access is just such a critical and obvious issue that makes our, our system work better government work better representation work better Great topic to start on as we, as we engage with officials who you hope at the state level are maybe more receptive than, than some of the federal officials who are hardened into their party's inner politics, you know. So so as, as we talk about that, as we look at ballot access, you know, it's a big issue. Again, you can go back and hear the podcast on that topic specifically. What does that translate into in terms of lobbying? What, what is the CPL, CLPVA trying to do to engage 
you know, elected officials, you know, others that may be able to help inform elected officials in this general session? What, what is the actual, you know, process to lobby for ballot access reform? Uh, well, we, we one there's a there's a day called Lobby Day, which is all the delegates make them delegates and senators make themselves available for citizen you know lobbyists to come in uh, and talk to them for a brief period. You get you know you got your your time to make your elevator pitch, and then you know thank you, move on, next person, etc. So uh, you you go in there and uh, you try and get on their list. It just depends. On, you know we've got we're working with the people who can get us in front of uh, you know, some delegates. It's just you know it's a matter of you know, having the bodies there to do the uh, legislation. But when we're there, uh, what we're pitching uh, specifically uh, right now is other than the idea of let's uh, make ballot access easier uh, is a specific uh, law change. Uh, we want to model change the Virginia uh, state code, uh, Commonwealth code to to match uh, the Maryland code, uh, which is the, you know, if, for those who don't know, the, in Maryland there are four uh, recognized major parties. Um, you know, there's the Republicans, the Democrats, uh, Libertarians, and the Working Families Party. Um, the, those four basically get automatic ballot access. So once they are nominated, they tell the state, here's our candidate for X office, boom, they're on. Uh, and the way they get uh, qualified there, it's a statewide process. They have to get, you know, something on the order of like 10,000 or so signatures, a, a not insignificant sum statewide. But once they do that, you know, they like they clear the hurdles. Boop, you're now you're a major party. You're recognized by the state, and you have, I believe, at least two years, if not four, to get one uh, percent of the statewide vote. Uh, you know, it's some race. We, you know, they have two years to get one percent, and if not, then you have to go through the process of requalifying again. But as long as you get, you know, you get over that threshold, uh, you you stay. And in the meantime. You don't have to spend all that extra time going over getting your signatures, going over and you know paying for uh, petitioners to go over and get the stuff. All that time you know, can be saved, and all the volunteer hours can be saved to actually work on getting the message out, campaigning, uh, and doing what you need to do. Um, and part of it, you know, again, is tailoring the message. Look at Maryland. Maryland is a deep blue state. Uh, there is no question that you know the Democrats have not suffered from having four major parties uh, available on things. So again, that's kind of a cynical argument, but that's how things get done. Because of course, you go up to a politician who's like, oh, and here's this thing, if you vote for it, you'll get out of office. They're like, well, I'm not gonna vote for that. So part of it is if we go up to Democratic uh, uh, legislators, we're like, look, you can you know, serve your stated goals too here, and you know, your cynical bottom line isn't necessarily affected. Because as we've shown, having this kind of an easier ballot access for you know the non-major parties has uh, has not affected the overall uh, outcome. However, it has you know, I would say it, it has uh, created a, a uh, there is a better environment. Even though Maryland is deep blue, it's to me just as an outsider does not seem as like ludicrously you know culture war divided. Uh, as Virginia, and part of that is probably because it's the culture wars already been won, and so it's like an internal battle with the Democrats. But either way, having the four, having four major parties in Maryland hasn't, you know, the the, the sky hasn't fallen, everything hasn't ended. I think that's a good start. 
And that's something you could sell. You could sell to people. It's like, look, you're not going to have willy-nilly. You're not going to have 17 parties on every, you know, possibly on every ballot, you know, because you have to do some hard work to qualify. So, you know, but then once it's on there, you don't have to do that extra hard work every single time you go. And just to illustrate this, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, an absurdity of the current system. Is that immediately after the election, uh, they basically. 48 hours after being re-elected, a uh, delegate from Martinsville resigned, you know, inexplicably. And they, so they set up, like, a ridiculous, there was a three-day period before they would, uh, like, and it's like, oh, you have to get your signatures in if you want to, you know, be in for the, they like, a ridiculously short election period. So it's like three days to get, uh, you know, your, your signatures in. And those signatures are unchanged. So no, normally you have nine months uh, to do three three days. Uh, and so, uh, surprise, unsu- you know, like surprise, surprise, basically negative one minutes after <laughs> the, the the person resigned, there was already like a, a Republican, you know, already set, already had his signatures. Boom, was in because they'd already cooked it up. They already knew what they were going to do. They did a bait and switch. Uh, you know, uh, from the the delegates, you know, the regular election. So now they have a little special election to anoint the new person going forward, which is just absolutely ludicrous and asinine. Now, if we had a like a proper a proper ballot access, you could even everybody could have still contested that because it wouldn't be a matter of like, oh, you have to get 400 signatures in three days. Uh, you'd just be like, oh, well, I nominate my guy. I nominate my guy. You have the election. It's exactly the same parameters. As you could have had in the general. That's all. That's all we're asking for. Excuse me. It makes it makes it you know more consistent. It makes it a simpler process, right? Less hurdles. And an example you provided there, right? When something does come up, it makes us we can get viable candidates, multiple candidates on the ballot quickly and efficiently without having to jump through a million and one hurdles. So, good points. Appreciate those points. I'm glad. Are you raising those? Chris, anything you want to add there to what Brian shared and some of the examples he shared? I think one of the critical things about lobbying is, and Brian talked about lobbying day and, you know, having some of us hardcore, you know, lunatics who just can't get enough of politics (laughs) marching down to Richmond to hang out with politicians. But the most effective lobbying is threatening a politician's job. So the point that I want to sort of hammer home to anyone listening is the best way to actually help us affect any of these changes is we have to make this an an issue publicly. We have to make this a hot button issue, so to speak, where politicians have to answer the question publicly. We've got to get them on camera, you know, on, on audio in, in public answering these questions and taking a stand. We have to, pose these questions to them and make them say, well, you know, I don't actually think that we should start opening up the ballot access to additional people. I actually think there should be fewer choices. We've got to get them to say this. So we've really got to push this issue publicly. You know, we do what we can internally to lobby politicians and try to actually work with people who may be amenable to some of these ideas and, and help push this through the actual legislative process in the general assembly. But, um, you know, we're going to need help from the outside. And so we're obviously going to do the same. We're going to fight on both both sides of this and, and do battle there. But it really helps us, you know, for people to make this an issue. So 
whether that's posting something on social media or sharing articles about public uh, about ballot access um, on the internet and you know emailing lobbying your local uh, representatives as well um, but you know you really see what happens when something gets in the news and um, you know politicians have to actually answer the questions and that's how we're going to get somewhere I think is lobbying internally doing what we can to build some sort of coalitions with elected officials that might help us push some of this this legislation through but also holding the politicians feet to the fire as it as it were you know and, and just really making them defend whatever position they want to take making them take a position and, and yeah. defend it and uh, you know when it comes to ballot access it's really it's not a particularly popular issue so it's not something you usually see uh, a, a snippet of a politician going viral talking about ballot access but that's kind of what it's going to take is you know, someone out there <laughs> answering the question why are we not opening this process up why are we limiting this to just two major parties does you know, asking politicians, do you really think that your party, whether it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, is is representative of all of America, you know, or, you know, just even in the state? You know, do you really think that your positions represent all of Virginians? And you can see how close some of these elections are. And that's obviously not the case. And the yeah. fact that we're bouncing back between one party and the other, you know, is more more evidence of that. So we really got to have them answer these questions and get them, you know, on record saying whether they're going to support opening up our elections and giving voters more choice and more representation or not. Yeah, I mean, you raised yeah, two and, good, great points here. Oh, yeah, I was, I'm coming after you. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, I was just to, to immediately dovetail on that. There's absolutely uh, a role for everybody who's listening here who's in the Commonwealth uh, to help on this thing, especially, even if you, even and especially if you can't come down and, uh, and do lobbying for whatever reason, you don't like it, you can't have it, you know, et cetera. We have a, a letter, and, we are, and we're trying to get a letter-writing campaign going uh, you know, to write to your delegate. And we'll, we'll, it'll be on our website. We'll, we'll, we'll put it up uh, uh, you know, by the time you hear this on the web path. It'll be up. Uh, a sample letter. Uh, here's our form letter. I'd like to say, please consider doing, uh, doing some work on ballot access forms. So all the people that we can't talk to, uh, face to face. Hopefully, we can get a lot of uh, messages, letters coming into the people we don't talk to. So then, yeah, you know, that's an, it's another bug in everybody's ear. So writing your delegate and writing your senator are actually, you know, under underappreciated ways uh, of getting into the process uh, because you know somebody on their staff is reading that. If enough enough of them come in, it will get noted. Yeah. So. So you've also raised some points. I want to go back to Chris. I want to come right back to you, shared Brian, because I think that's 100% true. So back to Chris's point one, this is a really hard issue to object to. Right? It's really hard to stand up in front of your constituents, in front of the Virginian people, the American people, and say, "I support less choice for Americans, for Virginians, you know, in elections." Like that's a really awkward position to take. And when when some you know do try and justify that rationale, it, it can get tricky. So. So, you know, that, that, that's one. Two, um, you know, to your point, Brian, elected officials are responsive, right? They, they have to be. And I'm going to go out here and maybe, maybe uh, to some, this is a sin to say, whether you're dealing with elected officials or, or even the IRS, they, they tend to respond to you when you reach out to them and engage them on different topics. And, and this is a great way to engage your elected officials and to get involved. So I uh, strongly encourage folks to, you know, like Chris was saying, 
you know, use social media. I know I'll be doing that. I won't be able to be down in Richmond, but I'll be encouraging folks. I'll be sharing that letter with my elected officials. Let them know how you feel. You know, the more we can get people to talk about this issue, you know, the better it is. And it's, it's pretty timely, this, this cycle. Because of the presidential election, we're seeing you know, several candidates outside of the two main uh, parties running and trying to gain ballot access. There's even a sort of more potential interest in, hey, why aren't we opening up our ballot to you know, state officials, local officials, even national politicians? We want choices. We're not saying you have to vote for somebody, but at least the choice to vote for the person that, that you want. So all great points here. Guys, as we wrap up, uh, we've talked about some of the ways folks can get involved. Uh, we'll have the, uh, the letter up on the website. Um, you can look for social media, you know, reach out uh, to me. You can get Chris on Blue Sky and uh, try and get engaged. We'll, we'll certainly be sharing some, some comments that you, know, you can latch onto or share however you want. What else? How, how can others get involved in, in this issue? And just to note, Lobbying Day in Virginia is typically held, I think always held, on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Um, it works out well because folks can not be at work. They can come down to Richmond, engage their politicians who are working that day and spend a day being an active citizen. But uh, Brian, are there other ways folks can get involved? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, write your delegates, write your senators, uh, talk to your friends on Facebook, get in, uh, involved in any groups you can get up. I mean, really face-to-face -face contact uh, is the best you know, wait, it's the, it's the old school way, it's still the best way. Uh, a lot of people want to be keyboard warriors, but nothing beats getting in, uh, in front of somebody to talk to them because that will, uh, one, most people aren't as radical as, as everyone wants to imagine, uh, and two, face-to-face, -face, you can, you know, you can have that connection. You can, you can talk to people, they realize you're not crazy. Uh, you can talk to them and you can hear, you know, what they're, you know, what the people are talking about but they'll understand where you're coming from. And you could start planting those seeds in, in your friends, uh, in the groups. Uh, you, obviously, you know, you post uh, electronically, but that face-to-face -face contact time is, is the best. And you know, I think we've, can, we've, you know, in the short time that we've been around, just the, the, the times that we've been able to get in front of people uh, and talk to them, we've moved the needle with those people. And so the more that you get in touch with people face-to-face -face and talk to them, the more we can keep moving that needle. And I think that's the important thing to you know, talk about. It's just that there's so many things you can do, but getting out there and talking is uh, like the most important. Yeah, 100%. Great points. Brian, I think, I think we'll wrap things up there, but any, any final words on lobbying day, lobbying efforts? We're going to come back to this and continue this discussion uh, at least once, maybe two more times here uh, this, this month. But anything else you'd like to share on that topic today? Well, if, you, if you're interested, hit us up on our, our website uh, to the info, and uh, if you're interested and available and possibly getting in there, uh, let us know, because we're, we're working on a shoestring. It's our first, uh, our first uh, at-bat, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we, we're trying to get uh, people you know, as much of us. So we're learning as we go, too. So especially if you have any knowledge about this uh, and can share with us, that would be awesome. So just uh, hit us up on our website, uh, and we'll, we'll see what we can do about getting you uh, involved and, you know, getting in a meetup. Yeah, love, love that. So if, if, if this is resonating with you, whether you want to come out and you don't know anything, but you want to volunteer, get involved. If you've got experience and you want to help advocate maybe more efficiently, more precisely, your knowledge, your experience is welcome. Happy to receive that as well. So please reach out again in the show notes. We'll have a variety of ways to get in contact with us and you can go to the website and contact directly there. So great point, Brian, Chris, thank you both. Uh, we'll hold there again. We'll come back to this topic. But as we wrap up here, 
first podcast of the new year. Anything else on your minds, gentlemen, as we as we go into this new year? Any other topics in the news or otherwise you've been seeing or thinking about you just like to touch on before we go? Chris, you got anything? <laughs> well, I was going to see if Brian had anything actually relevant to our podcast before I uh, brought up the uh, no doubt for Andy painful uh, subject of the end of the NFL regular season. Um, I'm going to blow right past the controversial Dallas and Detroit game. Um, for those who aren't aware, Andy's a big Detroit Lions fan. Um, so we're, we're wrapping up the regular season preparing for playoffs um you know my cowboys wrapped up the number two seed in the nfc which doesn't mean quite as much as it used to but uh, i'll take it it's it's been a better season than we've had in a while um but back on the political front i mean what's been in the news and what i've been spending a lot of time reading uh, details on are uh, the sort of unprecedented issue that we're seeing with some states trying to keep donald trump off the ballot um obviously this is going to be sort of i think at least for the next couple of months, the hot button issue. And we're going to be talking about the constitutional implications of this as well. Um, so that's really what uh, I've been spending a lot of time tracking. It, it, it's a big issue. I mean, it's playing out in, in multiple states. It's going to be in front of the Supreme Court, I think, this week um, for decision. It's, uh, I mean, it's really an unprecedented thing in, in, in our country's history. Uh, you know, from a political standpoint, a lot of complexities to it. From an observer standpoint, fascinating, fascinating process to see play out. So, you know, great topic. There's lots of that in the news. Uh, if anybody's got any questions there, we can certainly point the right direction, but it's pretty much everywhere you look. And I think this week uh, with that Supreme Court uh, decision to be, I think, started at least, um, we'll be hearing a lot more about it. So very interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people take pretty hard positions on this one way or the other some really good opinions and, and analysis on this topic you can see that uh david french has written on it uh, region magazine has written on it plenty of, of uh, others have as well so great great point chris brian any, anything that you've been thinking about looking at these, these last couple weeks no that that's what i've been looking at as well and i just think it's an absolute indictment of the uh, our current state of politics is that the best we can have is a replay of uh of 2020 and we're just both parties are uh, zombie walking to that uh, thing that nobody wants. If you look on you know, any polls out there, the vast majority of Americans says, why is this happening? Uh, because both parties are, you know, in locked in to these very extreme positions. And because of the nature of ballot access laws and, and other electoral uh, like system issues, uh, we are power we, the people are powerless to stop it. We're going to give these two very unpalatable uh, um, choices forced upon us. And that's just that's just the reason why all of us should be involved. All of us should be raising our pitchforks and saying, no more. We have to change this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that ties in everything that we've been talking about here today, certainly, as, as well as uh, previous casts. I'll just I'll share one thing that's been on my mind. I've been looking, um, I, I think it was about a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, where the Cato Institute released their annual uh, 50 free, or Freedom in the 50 States survey and they sort of ranked the states one through 50 on a few different areas economic freedom personal freedom different issues and they scored them one one through 50 and virginia in the past you know starting back to 2000 that started kind of hung pretty firmly at six for a few years dipped to seven eight nine 2015 started taking a, a southward dip and kind of got stuck at 12 with a shit worth showing uh in 2019 at 16. it's climbed back up virginia is considered the 12th most free 
state. Um, some nice improvements in the rankings, especially in the area of uh, personal freedom, if I recall, uh, the Cato captures. You can check that out. I'll share the links for that. Good to see where we are in comparison to other states, but also showing you know, a lot of opportunity. We often like talk on this podcast about being more free, more open, open markets, open minds, and uh, Virginia still got opportunity to do better, um, though we're doing better than some of our neighboring states, which is which is good to see. But hats off to Tennessee, our neighbor there, ranking in at number six. That, that's great to see as well. So we'll share that link. Uh, we'll share ways to get in touch with the team. Please get involved if you want to get involved. If you've never been out there, don't let that stop you. I think the more voices, the more hands, the merrier. Great to show that America, Virginia, really wants more choices, a freer, more open Virginia. So guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. So to all of our friends who are listening, Happy New Year again, and thanks for being with us in 2024 for this discussion on classical liberalism and ideas on a more open Virginia. We're glad to have you with us. Please consider joining the CLPVA in Richmond on Lobbying Day and in general and helping us to fight for a better Virginia. We'll be back next week and look forward to reconnecting then. In the meantime, reach out. You can contact us at the email and socials listed in the show notes on the website. Thanks for being part of this community. And until next week, here's to open markets, open minds, and free people. Cheers.